0: Well, I invite you to turn with me in the Bible to 1 John, 1 John, which is all the way towards the back of the New Testament as we start a a new sermon series today that will take us maybe 10 weeks or so to work our, our way through. Uh 1 John is right before the book of Revelation not to be confused with Matthew Mark Luke and John the Gospel of John. Uh 1 John is a smaller book just 5 chapters. So those that maybe are, uh, are still still recovering a little bit from last year's First Samuel series and this year's Second Samuel series. I know we've had about uh 8 weeks of this topical series on knowing and sharing our faith. Uh don't worry. This is relatively uh, brief material. There's not a whole lot of complicated historical background that we need to know to tackle it. And nevertheless, uh, although it's very challenging, it's, it's not unduly complicated for us as we're going to work our way uh, bit by bit through this book of the scriptures. I'll remind us again the method to our, our madness in, in that regard. Uh, in one sense, it protects you from me and protects me from you. Uh, how so? Uh, When we walk through a book of scripture and at least attempt to follow the pathway laid out, you know, moving through this section, these verses on to the next verses, on to the next verses. uh, What it does for us is it, it helps you all, hopefully, to better receive the word as God's word and not just the opinion of any particular person, because it forces me as the pastor or whoever's up here preaching to just deal with what's in the next part of the text. Not just to share my hobby horse or the axe I've got to grind or whatever it is. So that's going to help uh, help you all. In a sense, it works in the reverse, too. It protects me from uh, having to be concerned about what I might uh, be called upon in, in God's Word to say. And it allows me to have full freedom to just... Say it. This is what God's word says, not just what I'm saying. And so it helps all of us in that way, ultimately. And it's not the only way to go through Scripture or to tackle Scripture, but I think it's, a, in general, a good and helpful and healthy one for us. And that's, that's why we approach it that uh, that way. So if you want to see the outline of where we're headed in some of the themes in those Uh, parts of scripture there is a little outline in your worship guide on one of the pages there maybe 12 or 13 which will show you where we're headed in the upcoming weeks but i'll tell you the the simple heading if you want to keep something in your mind about first john is this transforming love transforming love and that's what we're going to see over and over again in each of the sections of 1 John is this concept of transforming love. Uh, commentary writer John Stott that I uh, get a lot out of personally reading and I'll probably reference a few times over the next few weeks said this and just summarizing the whole book and we'll unpack it over the next few uh, weeks again and months. He said this about uh, what the goal of the writer is of this book. At the foundation of these early Christians thinking, there must be a right grasp of the divine human person, Jesus. And at the foundation of their Christian living, a transparent integrity of righteousness and love. The false teachers, he says, have disturbed them. But John shows them how to develop a healthy assurance about Christ and their relationship to Him. So that's just a broad picture summary of kind of where we're headed. Let me read these verses for us for today. And then we'll pray and we'll dive into the first section. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1-4. through four. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hand, Concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest. Manifest just means uh, brought out into the open, demonstrated, shown. And we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you. So that you too may have fellowship with us. Indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things that our joy, or many translations just say your joy, may be complete. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray today that as we begin to dive into this book of Scripture about your transforming love, that you would expand today our idea of what it means to have a relationship with you and what it means to have joy in that relationship. And that, Lord, we would see the beauty of how all of this can come to us and does come to us through Christ. Help us in that way, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I may have mentioned uh, some months ago the story, the part of the Chronicles of Narnia. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe account written by C.S. Lewis, uh, popular in her own time through the movies that have been made about them. But perhaps you've read the books and are familiar with the story of four young children. And this particular one focuses in on Lucy and Susan who end up in a sort of parallel universe, a parallel world to ours called Narnia where they encounter these animals, and the animals there, are, they interact, they talk, and they're working against, uh, some of them, the evil in their world, and some of that evil is taken over as well, and they're trying to find their way. In the midst of that story, you know, is the heroic lion Aslan, the powerful, uh, righteous Christ figure and when uh, some of the children susan and lucy again are beginning to get oriented to this new world just making their venture into it they encounter mr and mrs beaver who are beavers and they begin to have this conversation is is aslan a man asked lucy Aslan, a man, said Mr. Beaver sternly. Certainly not. I tell you, he's the king of the wood and the son of the great emperor of the sea. Don't you know who is the king of beasts? Aslan is a lion. He's the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Well, I'll tell you, dearie, said Mrs. Beaver. Make no mistake. If there's anyone that can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or just plain silly. Then he isn't safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he is good. He is good. As we start this book of Scripture about God's transforming love, we should make no mistake about it. Uh, We like the second part of that little heading, I've got love. Transforming sounds nice, right? Positive. Uh, I'm transforming into something wonderful. But transforming involves change. It doesn't leave us the same, does it? And as we walk through this book of First John and even our verses today, we're going to see something that's amazing. And what's amazing is that we can have, you and I and those around us, a relationship with God. We can know God, we can be aware of who God is, we can be growing to understand the person of God, and we can realize that God loves us, and knows us, and cares for us, even speaks to us through His Word, and is intimate with us. But we shouldn't make any mistake about it. That's a privilege to be able to enter into that relationship, but that, in, that entering into relationship is going to involve transformation. It's going to involve God working in our lives. God desiring to see transformation happen for us, for our good. He wants to see us grow. He wants to see us develop. And so as we look at these verses today, and it even introduces the idea of this, this word, this eternal life that's been revealed, this one Christ in the message, and the beauty of that, how we can receive it, how it's revealed to us, and we can enter into it. We should realize right off the bat that we're entering into a relationship that is going to bring us hopefully great joy, but it's also not going to leave us the same. It's not going to leave us right where we are. And so the main idea perhaps from this part of 1 John today is, is this, and it's in your worship guide sermon notes section at the back of the worship guide if you want to follow along, is just this, that because the word of eternal life comes through Jesus, we can enjoy Relationship with God. Now, right away in the second part of that sentence, we've got a couple of question marks, perhaps. First of all, relationship with God. When we talk about the concept of relationship with God, for some, it's just confusing. Right? We don't know what that's about. We think of God, perhaps, as a set of ideas, a set of religious practices, a certain moral way of living your life. And when we start to talk about actually having some personal relationship with God, where God knows us and we know God, that sounds confusing, maybe for some of us. For others, the concept's intimidating, especially the way I just presented it. We feel like Lucy and Susan, we're like, yeah, okay, this God sounds interesting. I'd like to have a deeper relationship with God, but uh, wait a minute, he's he's not safe. He might disrupt something in my life. He might call upon me to be changed in some particular way. I don't know if I want that. We're not sure about it. It seems intimidating. As uh, Mrs. Beaver said, we uh, maybe have our knees quivering as we approach this God and this relationship with God. We also might struggle with the idea of relationship with God because it just seems boring. Maybe we feel like we've been down that road. We have tried to experience more of a transforming relationship with God. And we don't know what happens along the way. Maybe we got distracted by some sin patterns. Maybe we just uh, we just missed something about some knowledge or some understanding we should have had, whatever it was. But we kind of feel like we've been there, we've done that. A relationship with our uh, a spouse or a relationship with a close friend or a relationship on social media or a relationship with the characters in a book we're reading or a relationship with the characters in a movie we're watching or whatever. Those seem real. Those seem vital. But a relationship with this God, this being that's somewhere out there. Seems a little bit boring, not worth our time. So hopefully as we're going through the passage today, we'll begin to pull at that and and show really the beauty of this relationship with God. And certainly over the next couple of weeks, we're going to try to get at that. The, the, the second thing that we wrestle with right off the bat in these verses is, I, I said the, the goal here, because of the word of eternal life comes through Jesus, we can enjoy relationship with God. That's an interesting word, enjoy. Uh, you look at the situations that are going on perhaps in your life and my life today, and there are a lot of things out there chipping away at joy. Chipping away at joy. I'm not talking about sort of surface happiness, right? We get a little bit of happiness when our if our team won yesterday, we get a little bit of a happiness. I guess you'd say we get some some new thing or enjoy some nice meal or have a nice conversation with friends. So those those things bring us happiness. I'm talking, though, about joy, something that's deep seated, that's down at the core of who we are, that's the working of God and delight in who God is. So when we talk about joy, it's hard for us to to really grab hold of that when our uh, political scene isn't working out the way we think it should. Maybe right now when our sports team isn't doing so well, when our kids are struggling, when we wish we had kids that would struggle when we're out of sorts with our group of friends at school or in the neighborhood. When we don't like the way we look, when our marriage isn't satisfying, when we're going through a divorce, when we're struggling financially, when we're wrestling with sin problems, all of those things. Right. I'm not making those up. We can all, as we even go down through that list, think about how those things just seem to cut at our happiness in life. And they beckon for us to find joy, something beyond just the surface That we can be grounded in and have satisfaction and delight even as those things come and go. Right? Even as they pass by. And amazingly, the Bible offers that. Tells us we can have that through Christ and through relationship with Him. So let's take a look at what these verses have to say about that. And if you turn with me uh, then to verse 1 of chapter 1 of 1 John... And then at the same time, turn back to the book of John. Maybe in future weeks we'll have an extended conversation about who wrote 1 John and whether it was John. But I'm going to go on the radical, crazy assumption that it is the same person. So that's where I'm going with it. There's a lot of ink spilled over that conversation. So if you want to talk a little bit more about that, or if I have time in future weeks, maybe we'll hash it out. But go back, so keep one finger there in 1 John, and then look at the first chapter of the Gospel of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I want to kind of read these together because, uh, one, it makes it sort of plain that these are the same uh, authors. And two, they're talking about some of the same themes and unpacking them a little bit more. So look at John chapter 1 first, where it says this. It says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word is kind of, as we're going to see, this is the preexistent Christ who's going to become flesh. But uh, it, at the beginning here, it just says, was the Word. And when it says in the beginning, it's supposed, to, it's supposed to take us all the way back to Genesis, like the beginning, the start of all things. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. Life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And it tells us how John came and uh, shared about the message. And then it goes on in verse 9, you jump down there with me. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. Amazing. Coming into the world. And he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own. His own people did not receive him. But to all did who receive him. Who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And in verse 14, it tells us a little bit more. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and of truth. And when you put that together with 1 John chapter 1, so turn over there now. It helps us says there that which was from the beginning, that which was from the beginning. It's talking about that same reality, this eternal life, this message of salvation that we can have in Christ. And here's what's amazing. It's saying this stuff that's from the beginning is continuing on to today. We talk about it this way sometimes. Uh, This analogy of the acorn to the oak tree. You think about an oak tree. And it's big and expansive and you can see it and it has shade to it and branches and so forth. It's grown huge. In a sense, though, everything that's in that oak tree was present in the acorn. Just like if you look all the way back at the beginning of Scripture and you see Adam and Eve in the garden and God even providing for them as they sin and as they fall. And then you look across the scope of the whole Old Testament and you see this constant theme of God's people. In God's place, under God's plan of rule and blessing. And you see it coming into the New Testament and Jesus comes and and talks about who God's people are going to be and that he's the place that they will dwell. And he's the source of rule and blessing. And then you look even past all of this into Revelation and we see eternal life where all of God's people will be gathered in heaven. God's place, his heavenly kingdom Under God's perfect rule and blessing. We see this theme carrying on through. So John is telling us from the beginning. He's saying, look all the way back. Go all the way back to the beginning of the story. That which was from the beginning. And of course, this has been brought to fruition through Christ. We just read in John chapter 1. So the first thing we see is this relationship is something that's revealed. And it goes all the way back. This idea of God working in this way. And then look at verse 1 and see just how it's revealed. It says, that which we have heard. And it says, that which we have seen. We've looked at. We've touched. Then look at uh, verse 2. It says, and we have seen it. Uh, The end of that, it was made manifest. Verse 3, the first couple of passages, of first sentence of it. And which we have seen and heard. What's the emphasis here? This isn't something that's been made up. This isn't just an idea. This has been manifest. Jesus has come into the world. Jesus has come to, to be there so we could see him. The word for see here is not like, you know, glancing at something. You know, you sort of driving down the road and the last second you look up at a at a, a billboard sign or whatever. And you don't quite catch what the advertisement was. All right? You didn't really see that. You, you glanced at it. The word see here really is more like the word we would use, behold, right? When you behold something, you don't just, oh, hey, that's cool. When you behold something, you you look at it, you you take it in, your eyes get bigger, you absorb it. So the word here, see, is they're saying, we, we've seen this, we've beheld it, and we want to pass it along to you. And then the, the word for um, touched is interesting, too. The word there isn't just, you know, tapping something. It's like getting in and examining that thing, taking it apart and taking a look at how it works and how it's made. So when first John, when John and first John tells us they've seen it, they've touched it, they've heard it. He's talking about that kind of interaction, saying we've had a personal experience because the son of God. The God-man Jesus Christ has come into the world and now he has revealed a relationship that we can have with him. You know, it's an amazing thing to think about God choosing to come into the world. If we've been around the Christian faith, around the church, again, it it sort of becomes routine for us. And I hope I'm helping us to see a little bit of the majesty for it and be refreshed in our vision, the glory of it today, so that we'd be drawn up into it more and have more joy uh, from it. But it it makes me think about the time, uh, I guess a couple of years ago, we were up in Chicago visiting and I can't remember, I shared about this some time ago, but for a different purpose in a sermon. Uh, my folks are here today, they live in Chicago, and my, my dad wanted to treat the boys and, and us to going to see a Cubs game. My mom and dad treated us for that. And so uh, he arranged the tickets and whatnot. And we went down to see the, the Cubbies play. And my boys are not really like Cubs fans, It just, that's not their, their thing. But they, they got excited about it, being in that environment, and they were actually playing the Braves that day. So it was interesting to see the connection there. And, and Wrigley Field, though, is, is a little different from some of the other baseball parks that are out there. It was built a long, long time ago. They have yet to rebuild that thing. I think the 30s or the 20s or something. And so you can literally, like first base, if you're standing at the bottom row of the, the stands there, first base is from me just to these two folks in the row. You're, you're that far from the players on the field. And so when the players come off the field, they're just right there. And the kids were amazed by it. There were other kids gathering together, of course, trying to get autographs. And my boys didn't even they probably weren't even all that familiar with the Cubs players, but they're professional baseball players. They're people of importance because of that to, to my boys. And it was interesting to watch how the usher, the one usher told us, he said, you know, if you wait right here, if you wait right here at a certain time. Even though these guys are playing a big, you know, they're professional baseball players. There's a big moment in their life every single game. There's a couple of them that if you wait here, they'll come over right as they're going into the dugout, right about to play the game, and they'll stop by and they'll sign something for the kids. And sure enough, they did that. They, they came over. They, they revealed themselves. They, they came close. They were nearby to where the boys could touch them. And the one, I think one of mine had a, a Cubs shirt on and the guy just rode on his back. Right? They were interacting directly with them. I don't know if that helps us get the, the picture, but you know, when you've got that experience to get face to face, close, intimate, person personal with somebody that you've got up on a pedestal that you're amazed by or that has done amazing things, that's an experience, isn't it? It's an experience, isn't it? And what John is telling us here Is that as Jesus has come into the world, and we read in John chapter 14 and 16, we don't have time to turn there, that through the Holy Spirit, that Jesus is just as real, can be just as real for you and for me. Now it's easy to look back on those apostles and say, boy, they they had it going. Because they got to see Jesus and talk to him face to face. If, if, If that was the case for me, then yeah, preacher, I'd be... I'd have more joy in in the Lord. I'd be able to hang on to that joy in the midst of those ups and downs in life. Or, yeah, I'd I'd, I'd probably be more serious about changing and transforming in some areas of my life for God's glory. Sure, if I could see him face to face. Funny thing is, you look at the apostles and until the Holy Spirit came upon them, they were as confused and going in the wrong directions as you or I might be. In fact, he could make the argument that through the Holy Spirit today, you and I, just as fully, maybe even in a fuller sense, can experience the revealed, transforming love of Jesus. Do you believe that today? That God's revealed that relationship to you and to me through Christ. The second thing we see is this, and it won't take us as much time to get through the second and third points I have for us today. The second thing we see is that relationship isn't just revealed, it's offered. It's extended to us. And we see it here in verses 3 and and then on into verse 4, but 3 in particular. They say, we proclaim this to you, that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. What is fellowship? It's kind of a churchy word for relationship, for connection between two persons, interaction. That's what fellowship is. And it's amazing how it mentions it here in these verses that uh, the fellowship is with God and with us. You know, our relationship with God is the same way, isn't it? We, in a sense, have this vertical relationship with the Lord. We're interacting and know him. But then we also experience that relationship and are strengthened in it horizontal with one another. That's what the church body is about. Uh, We could put it this way, that if we're experiencing only fellowship with one another and we're feeling like our relationship with God is kind of, our fellowship with God is sort of slack, it's not really growing, then, then maybe uh, there's a reason for that. Maybe we need more connection with other believers. We're not having that connection to fuel that. And maybe some of us, we have feel like we've got this connection with the Lord, but the relationship with one another is lacking. The apostles John here is telling us those two things are meant to go together. Read it with me again says, we proclaim also to you that you, too, may have fellowship with us. Indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So, let me put it this way. Maybe I didn't state it as clearly there as I wanted to. If we're struggling with fellowship with God, we might want to ask this question. How is our fellowship with other believers going? Seems strange, right? I'm struggling with this vertical thing, but that horizontal might be, we don't have folks around us maybe that are helping us, prodding us, loving us to grow, and we might ask the opposite as well, if I'm struggling with my fellowship with others, if I really, I just don't like these people in this church body that I'm a part of, or this person in my life group's really grating on my nerves, let's be honest, that stuff happens, if we're struggling with that, I think it's an appropriate question to ask, how's our fellowship with God going? The two things connect together. They're linked in an important way. And the Apostle John is telling us that right from the beginning. And then I want us to see this last point. So that's a relationship that's offered. So it's offered to us. We can enter into it. And the last part I want us to see is that it's a joyful relationship. Look at verse 4. And we are writing these things so that our joy, or your Bible may even have a note down at the bottom, your joy may be complete. John's writing these things so that joy would come into the lives of believers. And again, let's think about what that joy is. Uh, look back at John, the book of John, if you want to turn over there, or you can probably just listen. The book of John in chapter 15, 16, and 17 mentions joys. Let me, let me highlight a couple of them for you. John chapter 15, verse 11. It says this. This is all Jesus talking. You know, if you if you look at your, your, your Bible and it's got the, the pink writing, the red letter writing, you know, John 15 is just a solid page of, of uh, pink or red. It says in verse uh, 11 this These things I have spoken to you, Jesus said, that my joy may be. In you, and that your joy may be full. So he's saying a couple of things. One, through this revealed relationship that's then offered to us, we can have joy in our lives. And then he's also saying that that joy could be there, but it might not be as full as it should be or could be. So it's something that we ought to pursue, having greater joy through Christ. Verse uh, 24 of chapter 16 says this again, Jesus speaking, he says, until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive. Hey, we like Let's Stop right there. We, we like that. Jesus is going to give us stuff. We can ask him and he's going to give us great stuff. He's God. He's going to work. He's got power. What does he say? And I'm not saying Jesus won't give us other things as we ask him. But what is his priority? He says, ask and you'll receive that your joy may be full. Okay? I don't know about you, but that list I read earlier about the things that are going on in the world and the things that are going on in our lives that, you know, chip away at our joy. They aren't just concepts. They aren't just ideas. I experience them. I experience those. You experience those things on a day-to-day basis. And I don't know about you, but I find myself in the shifting winds and the shifting sands of where I root my happiness and how elusive that is, wanting something much more solid, wanting to be grounded more. And when I find that I'm uh, disrupted, pushed off of my focus, and discouraged In a place of frustration, a lot of times it's probably because instead of pursuing deep joy in the core of who I am, in relationship with Jesus Christ, I've been pursuing happiness in just the passing things of this life. One more verse and then we'll close. Chapter 17, verse 13. This is Jesus' high priestly prayer. So it's all a big prayer for us today, really, his church. He says, but now I am coming to you. These things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. What a encapsulation of the first four verses of first John. Now I'm coming to you. Jesus come into the world revealed. I want to encourage us today to think about where are we? In this joy thing. And if we're finding that we're rather lost on where to get our joy from, or we find we're lacking joy significantly, let me encourage us to really think about this relationship with Christ and what it looks like to have that relationship. We've been talking about it really the last eight weeks, knowing and sharing our faith. So we've got the framework for it. Uh, Because that's why Jesus came into the world. He came into the world so you and I could have that relationship and have great joy. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, you have not left us in a situation of uh, lostness or confusion. Uh, Certainly haven't left us in a situation of discouragement. But through Christ, through the beauty of his person, the eternal life in him revealed that you have come and presented yourself in a way that we can, in a sense, see and taste, experience, enter into. And so I pray, Lord, that you would break through whatever barriers there are in each of our lives, that we'd be able to break through into deeper relationship with you. That as we walk through the book of 1 John, we'd be given a, a bigger picture, a deeper understanding of what that relationship looks like. And then, Father, that as we grow in that, that you would give us true and full joy. In Jesus' name, amen.